Hello, everyone, and thank you for listening in with us today on our podcast, For the Sake of the Child. Our podcasts are brought to you by the Military Child Education Coalition, whose work is focused on ensuring quality educational opportunities for all military-connected children affected by mobility, family separation, deployments, and transition. Here at the MSEC, we want to ensure that every military child is college, workforce, and life-ready. In our podcast, we will share your stories as we talk to military service members, professionals, parents, and military kids. Please like, share, and subscribe. And we appreciate your comments, questions, and ideas for topics that you would like to hear more about. Hey, listeners, welcome to 2021. First of all, so happy to have everyone back and listening to our For the Sake of the Child podcast. I want to take a moment to thank our very generous funder, the Naval Officer Spouses Club in Washington, D.C. This podcast would not be possible without supporters like you. From the bottom of our hearts, all of us here at the MSEC For the Sake of the Child podcast want to express our appreciation for providing the funds for today's podcast. Your financial support allows us to not only share great information and resources, but also builds connection through shared stories and experiences, helping to provide military kids, their families, and also the professionals who serve them the tools they need to help our military-connected children thrive. Again, thank you for supporting us. Welcome everyone to our MSEC podcast for the sake of the child. My name is Tara Gleason. I am the Military Student Transition Consultant Programs Manager and also the podcast producer for the Military Child Education Coalition. I'm also the spouse of an active duty service member and parent to three military kids. Joining me today is Dr. Sarah Seiko, the Deputy Director of the National Center on Improving Literacy and also NCIL, because we love those acronyms in the military. And NCIL's mission is to provide evidence-based resources for improving reading outcomes for children with or at risk for literacy-related disabilities, including dyslexia. In this role, she leads the parent and family strand of work and seeks to improve families' access to you and use of evidence-based literacy information. Previously, Dr. Seiko was a literacy content specialist for the Center on Instruction and technical assistant provider with the National Reading Technical Assistance Center. She was an elementary reading coach and literacy specialist in two public school districts, working with children preschool to grade five and as a certified K-12 literacy specialist. Dr. Seiko, thank you for joining us today. I already shared a little bit of your background and your role now as the Deputy Director of NCIL, but can you share why you are so passionate about literacy instruction? Sure. Hi, Tara. Thanks for having me today. Definitely. For one, and I'm certainly not the first to say this, but reading is the civil rights issue of are more likely to drop out of school, have a hard time finding a job, and be unable to fully participate in society and the workforce. Research also shows that the combined effect of reading poorly and living in poverty puts these particular children in double jeopardy. So that's one big reason. Secondly, we have some strong and concerning data that we can point to. Data from the National Assessment of Educational Progress, or NAEP, it's also known as the nation's report card, reveals a persistent and troubling lack of movement in student reading achievement across time and a widening of the gap between readers with the highest 
and lowest levels of proficiency. So the percentage of students scoring proficient on NAEP is increasing, and the percentage of students scoring below basic on NAEP is also increasing. So while it's great that we're improving reading for some kids, the kids who need the most support are actually declining in performance. But on a personal level, as a reading specialist in an elementary school, I saw firsthand the negative effects that difficulty learning to read has on children's academic achievement and their social and emotional development too, beginning at an early age. And it was really heartbreaking. But encouragingly, I also witnessed how these effects can be counteracted by intervening early with evidence-based literacy practices. I can't agree with you more. I have two children who have been identified as dyslexic and one received direct intervention earlier and one it took a little bit longer. And it's amazing what can happen when we have early intervention in place. So you're, you are spot on with that. Can you tell us more about the mission and priorities for the National Center on Improving Literacy? Sure. The National Center on Improving Literacy, or sometimes we say NSOL or NCIL, is a partnership among literacy experts, university researchers, and technical assistance providers with funding from the U.S. Department of Education. And our mission is to increase access to and use of evidence-based approaches to screen, identify, and teach pre-K through grade 12 students with or at risk for literacy-related disabilities, including dyslexia. It's quite a mouthful, uh, but we also want to build individual and organizational capacity to assess students' literacy-related skills, to identify students with disabilities or those that are at risk of disabilities, and fully implement evidence-based literacy programs and professional development. So in order to do that, we have five big priority areas of ENSEL. The first is to identify or develop free or low-cost evidence-based assessment tools. The second is to identify evidence-based literacy instruction, strategies, and accommodations. The third is to provide families with information to assist their children. The fourth is to identify or develop evidence-based professional development for educators. And the fifth and final area is to disseminate our products to regionally diverse state, region, and local education agencies in schools. So just so we're all speaking the same language, can you explain what you mean by evidence-based literacy instruction and how can military parents identify this type of instruction when they're considering a school option? Are there questions that they can ask or specific criteria they can look for when high quality reading instruction is a strong consideration? Yes, for sure. And so bear with me as I talk through a number of points here. First, um, the term evidence-based, so let's talk about that. The term evidence-based is defined by the Every Student Succeeds Act, or ESSA. According to ESSA, evidence-based programs are those that are supported by strong, moderate, 
or promising research evidence of their effectiveness, or they demonstrate a rationale that they can improve a targeted outcome. So ENSEL supports the implementation of approaches with the highest levels of evidence supported by rigorous evaluations. So that's the evidence-based definition. But second, I wanna talk about identifying evidence-based literacy instruction. So military families should look for three key features. One, explicit instruction two, systematic instruction, and three, instruction in the five essential components of reading. And those are phonological awareness, phonics, fluency, vocabulary, and comprehension. All children benefit from explicit systematic reading instruction in the five essential reading components, yet they are critically important for children with or at risk for literacy-related disabilities, including dyslexia. So what is explicit instruction? Let's take that one first. Explicit instruction means overtly teaching the steps or processes needed to understand a concept, apply a strategy, or complete a task. Explicit instruction includes teacher explanation of new material, teacher modeling, and step-by-step -step instruction to demonstrate what is expected so that students can accomplish a learning task. Explicit instruction is direct and leaves nothing to chance. Because of weaknesses in phonological processing, children with dyslexia require explicit instruction to help them acquire the knowledge and strategies necessary for decoding print. So that's the explicit instruction piece. Next is the systematic instruction piece. And systematic instruction means breaking down complex skills into smaller, more manageable chunks of learning and carefully considering how to best teach those smaller pieces to achieve the overall learning goal. Systematic instruction also includes sequencing learning chunks from easier to more difficult and providing scaffolding or temporary supports to control the level of difficulty throughout the learning process. So I've reviewed the definition of explicit instruction and systematic instruction and evidence-based practice. But I think it's important to know also that learning to read is complex and explains why so many children do not learn to read simply through exposure to books and language alone. The main difference between instruction appropriate for all children in the classroom and children with dyslexia is the way in which instruction is provided. Specifically, instruction for students with dyslexia should be more explicit, comprehensive, intensive, and supportive than the instruction that is provided to majority of children. Importantly, without early intensive intervention, children with reading difficulties do not catch up to their average performing peer. And in actuality, the gap between good 
and weak readers widens over time. For children with reading difficulties, the later the onset of the intervention, the poorer the odds that these children will become proficient readers. So we see how critical that is. So for identifying high quality literacy instruction, I'd suggest military families start by asking their child's school such questions as, does the reading program teach phonological awareness, phonics, fluency, vocabulary, and comprehension skills? Are phonological awareness, phonics, and spelling taught explicitly and systematically? How does my child review and practice reading skills? And how does my child receive teacher feedback on his or her reading skills and progress? And I think these are really great tips. Some people may not have an identification of dyslexia, but we know up of upwards of what? About 20% of students have either dyslexia or a reading struggle. So really some people think, well, we don't have any dyslexic students in the school or in this classroom, but really there's struggling readers in every school and in every classroom. So this is very, very helpful. Thank you so much. One of the goals of INSEL is to identify or develop evidence-based professional development for school professionals. And another one that you mentioned is to identify or develop free, we love free, or low-cost evidence-based assessment tools. I think it's really crucial because sometimes school budget restraints limit what schools can offer when it comes to professional development. So free is always good. How can schools find out more about where to find these types of opportunities? Yes, that's a great question. So thank you. And thank you for mentioning that our resources are free. Um, it is true. If you go to our website, and this is what I would encourage schools to do, to visit our website, improvingliteracy.org, to see the tools and resources we offer for educators. We have, for example, toolkits, literacy briefs and infographics, our resource repository, and an ask an expert feature. And all of that, as I said, is free. We hope that educators and schools will take those free resources and um, use them in practice and let us know how, you, how they are using them. They are always welcome feedback. So what can parents and educators do to promote literacy success in children? Do you have any must do tips? Yes, I do. <laughs> For parents, I'd recommend five general tips when engaging with their children during literacy learning. One, listen. So notice the speech sounds, letters, words, or ideas that seem hard for your child. Second, look. Watch for skills or tasks that seem difficult. Third, wait. <laughs> Give time for your child to self-correct a mistake and then provide a hint to him or her if needed. Encourage, praise, and reassure your child as you talk about the book or activity. And lastly, talk. And that is really about talking with your child's teacher about what you learned at home when interacting with your child for their literacy learning. So those are general kind of actions or tips. And again, that's listen, look, wait, encourage, and talk. But more specifically, I'd recommend downloading and having our coaching steps for families infographic handy. It shows how you can coach your child's literacy learning at home 
using explicit instruction. And this may be especially helpful as families are increasingly overseeing learning at home due to COVID-19. And then for educators, I'd suggest familiarizing themselves with the specific features of effective literacy instruction. And we have a great Ask an Expert video that explains these features. And then educators can use our resource repository to find tools, activities, and lesson plans to enhance their teaching. And we will put all of these links down in the show notes. So thank you so much for sharing those. And we'll have those available down in the show notes so that I'm looking forward to looking at the infographic and the Ask the Expert video. So thank you for sharing those. So military children often face transition challenges and they transition from place to place. They typically move every two to three years, depending on the situation, sometimes more. Military families with children with reading struggles will encounter additional challenges when levels of supports vary widely and state policies are vastly different from place to place. How can families and educators work together to ensure children have successful literacy experiences in and out of school, especially in light of these types of challenges? Mm, this is a big challenge. First, I think our website <laughs> serves as sort of a virtual literacy Sherpa for families and educators. It really can be your guide to promote consistency and continuity during transitions. So regardless of the state, district, or school you may be transitioning into, evidence-based practices remain the same. We hear from many families and educators who spend many hours scouring the internet for high-quality literacy resources or information, yet often lack the ability to judge if the resource or information is credible and based on evidence. Luckily, we've done that for you. We hope to be your central source for locating evidence-based literacy practices to save you time and energy. And second, I'd recommend families and educators follow four general practices to partner well. That's talk and interact often, discuss literacy instruction and intervention, share literacy resources, and address concerns together. And we have a literacy brief and infographic that explains these practices further and a toolkit that will be released soon that expands upon this information. So I think you already answered my next question, but just in case, do you have any other, you've already listed so many wonderful ones, specific resources or supports that you'd like to highlight? Yes, uh, our Root to Reading infographic series provides families with tips and questions to start discussions about evidence-based literacy practices with school staff. And also our Kids Zone is really popular. It was created with kids in mind. The Kids Zone is a place where families can participate as their child builds literacy skills in a fun and interactive way. In the Kids Zone, you and your child can access eBooks, audiobooks, stream videos of stories read aloud, Follow the adventures of Kayla, a girl with dyslexia in an original comics series, or find cool games that focus on different literacy skills. And this is a great resource, especially during our atypical learning environments now. All of that is free, by the way. Well, KidZone has just been added to our to-do list over Thanksgiving week next week <laughs> as we look for games to keep up with skills so we don't, you know, miss miss some of that content. So I'm looking forward to checking that out. I know you mentioned it earlier, but can you say one more time, how can listeners find out more about the National Center on Improving Literacy? Yes, visit our website at improvingliteracy.org. There you will find all of our free evidence 
based resources like our toolkits, literacy briefs and infographics, ask and expert responses, and the Kid Zone. So here at For the Sake of the Child, we love to hear stories about military families. Do you have a particular story you can share with all our listeners based on your experiences over the years? Well, you know, I just have to say, I come from a military family in the sense that my both of my grandfather served in World War II. Um, my father is a Vietnam veteran. And so I have a, a special connection to military families. And I really um, have always appreciated the resiliency and the flexibility of military families, especially as it relates to children and their reading development. I have spoken to some military families in my role at ENSEL, leading the parent and family engagement work. And I have always been profoundly impressed with the level of positivity despite difficult circumstances. And I hope that we continue to be able to be a source to help families, specifically military families, as they navigate the educational journey of their child as it relates to their literacy development. Well, Dr. Seiko, thank you so much for talking with me today. And thank you again for joining us for our first ever virtual MSEC Education Summit. And I look forward to joining in on the recording. I was in another session, so I couldn't come in live. And I it was one of those times where you wish you could duplicate yourself and I could be in more than one place at once. But I, I will go in and listen to the recording and then I'll probably circle back with you with questions and, and things from that. But so thank you so much for joining us for that. And thank you for joining us today. I really appreciate it. You're welcome, Tara. My pleasure. And thanks to all our listeners for joining us. Please like, rate, and review this podcast. Be sure to follow us so that you can get access to our podcast first and also exclusive access to special episodes. Please reach out to us with your comments or questions and also any topics that you'd like to hear discussed in future podcasts. Join us again next time as we share more stories that impact military-connected children. Y'all, we are going to reach 20,000 downloads today. We can't thank all of our amazing listeners and followers for listening and for spreading the word about this podcast. We would love to hear more about the topics that you want to hear more about and any guests you want to hear on the show. Reach out today by leaving us a comment. If you aren't already a follower, follow or subscribe today so that you can access our content first and have access to bonus episodes. Thanks again, all. This podcast has been made possible thanks to the generous support provided by the Naval Officer Spouses Club, Washington, D.C. Thank you for making a difference in the lives of military children. I want to thank you again for listening to our podcast, For the Sake of the Child. We would like to invite you to visit our website at www.militarychild.org. Like the MSEC on Facebook and follow us on Twitter. Please join us again next time as we share more stories that impact our military-connected kids.